we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene Pardo Pelliser, author, narrator, producer of Stories of the Supernatural, Nightshade Diary, and Supernatural Storytime. The following is an appearance I did with Carol Benayos, who's a personal coach on her podcast on Facebook titled Wake the F Up. And it was a fantastic interview. And I urge you to visit with Carol because she has so many episodes upcoming with different guests talking about uh, living the best life that you can, of course, because you actually wake up. And here it is. Marlene Pardo Purseller? Pelliser. Close Pelliser. enough, don't worry. <laughs> Pelliser, because sometimes like I can't pronounce things properly. So um, I'm just gonna, uh, gonna read her bio, which is um, a really phenomenal bio. So Marlene is a native Miamian, uh, and, a, and author of fiction and nonfiction books. She is also the producer, host, and narrator of the program Stories of the Supernatural, and the podcast show Nightshade Diary, Supernatural Storytime, and the blog author of Stranger Than Fiction. Um, Marlene holds a Master of Science degree in Human Behavior and Health. She is a certified master of hypnosis and considers herself a subconscious behavioralist and uh, has, uh, has had a private practice for years. And at one time, she worked as an investigator for a state-level agency. Ooh, some CSI shit. Especially that part, that role shall remain unnamed. Yes. Unnamed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Marlene appeared in Season 1, Episode 1 of Paranormal Survivor, which presently airs on Destination America and Netflix. And Season 1, Episode 12 of The Haunted Hospitals, which air on the Travel Channel. Yes. Travel Channel. Mm-hmm. In her first book, uh, Walker Between the Worlds, uh, a dark supernatural fantasy was released on October 2019. Uh, a novella uh, was released in 2000, um, December 2019 and part of a civil universe and March 20, 2020, The Path to Purgatory um, became available and another civil novella and book three will be released during 2020. And in March 2020, she released I've Come for My Girl and two other Dark Tales, uh, Winter Shade Stories, uh, a young adult horror anthology. Uh, yeah, that sounds scary. <laughs> Her other books, <laughs> Haunted History of the Old West, uh, Wicked Ladies, and The Bad Hombres, Hombres They Love, The Lady in the Blue Kimono, 
film noir murders and supernatural safety are available on her website and on Amazon. And after this interview, I'll, I will um, have a time there where Marlene's going to share all of that information where you can get in contact with her and then get all of that good stuff from her. And she founded Miami Ghost Chronicles in the 1990s and considers herself one of the only of the handful of ha hardcover paranormal investigators who work under what she calls the dungeon approach, which we're going to find out what that means yes. later on. Um, which is a basically little or no reliance on technology to research the uncertain, unseen world of the paranormal. She has also worked mainly uh, with research groups in Florida, but she has also assist, assisted other organizations and private clients across the country. Like, wow, what a bio, Mark. God, I feel like <laughs> I'm impressed with myself. Temporarily, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then reality hits you and you go, oh, yes, sweet, wake up, stop it, stop it. <laughs> so thank you so much, Marlene, um, for joining me today. And I'm so excited for everyone here to, you know, dive deep into um, the amazing information and healing information and all that good that you're going to offer today and so i just kind of want to jump into the questions right away i have sure. some um that i asked and then i i have questions to kind of dive deep into um your your knowledge and the experience that you have sure so the first one is marlene who are you wow <laughs> this could be either really simple or very complicated no it's um uh let me tell you something. I think this is something that we don't get till we get a little bit older in life. When we're younger, when I mean younger, teens, 20s, we're very absolute, you know, black or white, good or bad. I want to be this, you know, this is what I will be. This is the image I have in my head of my destiny. And sometimes it can work to your advantage. But I find that as you go through life, depending on what goes on with you, you... You know that saying, to thine own self be true? That truth changes as you go yeah. through life, in other words. Yeah. There's a, yes, there is a part of you which will always be the same person you were born being. But when I find that when people are very rigid, even about their self-image, they end up very unhappy because they tend not to accept certain things about themselves, even disagreeable things. So if as to the answer to that question, I'm a work in progress. Mm -hmm. And by this, I don't mean um, like, a, you know, like I've got like 20 personalities, you know, nothing like that. I'm just saying I consider myself forever the student, always mm -hmm. learning, um, always leaving the door open for new ideas, even if they challenge things that I know. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, I think this is very important uh, you know, when you're a kid that you have this great imagination and that anything is possible. Mm -hmm. And as we grow older, we kind of tend to lose it for lack of a better word, because we become a little bit more cynical. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that we have to protect part of our self from becoming that so cynical that we become rigid and we don't believe anything. And uh, that imagination, that part of us that lets us see beyond, in other words, suspend your disbelief, we lose it. Mm. So that's what I'm saying. I'm always a work in progress because tomorrow I could come across something that I'm like, wow, if I didn't know about it, 
or it contradicts uh, a belief I had before. Um, so yeah, that's, that's you know, and, and you learn to be more comfortable. You know, when you got that pair of shoes that you break in, yeah, that they're your, your go-to shoes that um, <laughs> you, you become that person where uh, happiness uh, and comfort become more important than the outward appearance totally that and I want to say unfortunately some sometimes society drives us to you know these expectations about how we look how we behave what we have and we're kind of fooled into thinking you'll be happy or that how people see you is how you'll be happy and you learn later on in life that that's not really that accurate unless you're a complete narcissist that is so <laughs> I know there's narcissists going out there she doesn't know what she's talking about yeah. And, and so what point in your life did you realize that you had to wake the fuck up? And what was that process like? For you? Well, um, I'll be honest with you with, uh, during my twenties, I was busy being a mom. I had my three children when I was in my twenties and I'll be mm-hmm. perfectly honest with you. It doesn't give you much time to ponder things. Mm-hmm. Um, so an intro, as far as introspection, how's that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you take on this role because you have to because you choose it you know hopefully that you're a mom and you kind of put your who you are kind of on the back burner but it's still there because that's why I, t- I even tell my kids now that they're adults you know I'm believe it or not before I was your mother I was Marlene you know you're yeah. still always that person I mean in other yeah. words as important as that role is you're still the person prior to becoming a mother and sometimes you have to put that on the back burner and but it's always a process you're always learning maybe you have to slow down because like I said you owe other obligations in your life more of your attention but even during my 20s I was always reading um, I was completing my degree very slowly um, and just believe it or not even with my kids I learned that imagination thing because it's beautiful to see children when they see things with a child's eyes in other words that they don't question things you know making my kids believe in Santa Claus to the umpteenth moment till they kind of came around and go mom you're Santa right and I'm like no well so and so told me and I'm like no we just helped Santa out they're looking at me like sure mom I got it. you know but yeah it's 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 there's if I want to say there for me there everybody's different I don't think I ever had that moment of epiphany where like oh you know it's this process that you go through on a daily basis um I'm gonna say that I also learned that unfortunately because I I I lived through this era of what technology has done for us where all of a sudden if you're not multitasking you feel guilty Mm-hmm. You know, what do you mean? I can't be looking at my calendar while at the same time I'm on a phone call while then I've still got something on the stove or I'm thinking or I'm trying to book a make a reservation for lunch or hey where are you going? Yeah, we technology has made us like if you if you're not I, multitasking you're like you know what 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 am I not doing? We kind of lost that that uh, how can I say that ability or that desire for introspection 
which by the way I think we only need even if it's 10 minutes yeah. where you stop a minute and you just you know that that thing that people call veg out which is yeah. I'm just gonna sit here and stare at the wall <laughs> or <laughs> go to a park and sit and just look like I'm like high or something but you're not you're just like emptying your mind out without thinking and by the way your first tendency is to run and do a to-do list in your head and that was one of the things I learned that if I wanted to keep my sanity I had to set aside that time squeeze it in somewhere where I I owed myself that by the way without feeling any guilt about it either Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I have to stay. I have to stay before we go into the next question. Mm-hmm. I love your 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 earphones and your yes, earrings. You know why? Because this is to remind people not to take themselves seriously. These yeah. are little kid stuff. Yes. Yeah, love them. Yeah, because sometimes I talk about dead people, and it's like, wait, this is really morbid sometimes. So let's put some levity in it. Yeah. Ah. Uh, so yes, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, and and for you, um, what do you believe the reason why you came onto Earth? Like, what is your purpose here on Earth? Wow. (laughs) Okay, well, you know what? I think that's the universal questions that you find a lot of people are always searching for. What is my purpose? You know, like, if I miss it, like, my purpose. I think your purpose changes as you go through life. And people want this hard and fast answer and say, that's it. I found my purpose in life and that's it. I don't have to worry about it. And that's what it is. And I think that changes. I've come across people that when they graduated and went into, you know, university, they knew exactly what they wanted to be. I'll give you an example. They wanted to be a doctor, go into medical, uh, the medical field or whatever. And back then they were, they were, that was their purpose back then. Fast forward 25, 30 years, or even sooner, it depends. And sometimes it fades. They just don't feel the same. And they feel bad. They think like, how did I lose my purpose? What's wrong with me? And it's not that you were wrong back then. It's that you've changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't, they feel like, man, was, was I leading myself on? No, it's, I think as we go along, our purpose changes. Um there's times, let's say, when your purpose is to be a parent, mm-hmm. you know, because it's a full time, and maybe you have to put other things again, like in the back burner, depending on your choice, on your career. Um, I think that a lot of us want that guarantee that if somebody says, "If I could guarantee you right now, you're not going to fail," people think that by knowing their true purpose, um, that's going to, how can I say, shield them from making a failure mm. uh, just as important that you know there's other people that you that they go through forever like they never settle on anything and I found that at some point you got to execute you know mm. you gotta like like I said do that self-introspection and say you know what I might not have the entire answer but I got part of it and I need uh, to 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 you know when the rubber meets the road and start going like do it Put the foot on the accelerator and let's see where this takes us. But some people want all the answers up front. Mm. They want the guarantees. They want the answer to all the questions, including what's my purpose, before they make a decision mm-hmm. to actually do something. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes it turns out great. Sometimes it's not what you expected. And sometimes it's a big, giant 
mistake. But yeah. we learn from our mistakes. That's another thing, which mm-hmm. which is we need to learn how to forgive ourselves when we make a mistake. Some people like beat themselves their entire lives or that, you know, when you did that stupid thing <laughs> and 40 years later, they're still, you know, you when you did that stupid thing. It's like at some point you got to learn and let it go. Yes. I agree. And do you feel that, like, you know, when you say sometimes, like, I believe purpose does change. However, know that maybe, say, if you're destined for service, right? And even within that, um, I I, I don't know when you, because when you said that, you know, there's different um, purposes and they change throughout their life. And I was thinking, is there that point where you are fulfilling multiple purposes at one time. So, so within, you know, fulfilling your destination of why you're put on this earth to serve others and then fulfilling your purpose as a mom, you know? Of so course, maybe- of course. You, you, you know, yeah. you have to tailor it sometimes just because of time. You know, mm-hmm. there's only so much you can do. Because that's another thing. On an individual basis, you have to do self-care. Mm-hmm. In other words, you cannot do so much wanting to be all these roles because somehow you feel you're coming up short and then you don't get enough sleep, you're not eating right, you're not giving yourself enough downtime uh, because you feel like, well, if, if I, I got to do this and I got to do that. Um, for example, when my kids are a little bit older, we, I would, as they got older, we would do the 5K for charitable events or for pets or something, you know? So it was like, okay, I'm going to bring my kids into an effort to, for some cause I believe in, you know, like a 5K usually, which is three miles, which my kids could do. And they loved it. And it was a way of putting together something I wanted to do on an individual basis, but have including my kids in it. And it also taught them about, you know, giving in other words, or being of service, even, the best way we could, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, uh, later on, I did it with, you know, I, I bicycled also in a chair, a lot of charity events. I, I, I took, I even took one point, my granddaughter with me when she was a little bit old enough and she loved it. Um, in other words, you, you learn how to manage your things and realizing this is what's going on in my life right now, maybe for the next couple of years. And then it evolves. There's no hard and fast rules uh, about... Some people seem to think, well, this this is my life. Oh, my God, this is forever my life. And it's not. This is just where you're at right now, and you just manage it the best way you can, depending on what your aspirations are. Like I said, when I was in my 20s and my kids, I had a full-time job. I was trying to finish my degree. This was before online courses. So I had no choice, but... I made an agreement with my husband and like twice a week I would take evening courses. I would go to uh, one of the universities here had an off-campus office where they would, as a matter of fact, they were doing it for working adults, you know, and everybody there had a full-time job, which meant after I got out of work, I would go over and take this class and you would think, man, this you'll be forever trying to get your degree. But at some point I realized time is going to go by no matter what. Yeah. So guess what? I took one class and then I took another class. And by the way, which was, I'm so proud of myself, my job actually subsidized the cost of the oh, classes, nice. which there are a lot of places don't do anymore. 
Yeah. So, um, I mean, in other words, somebody would have, some other person, and I found myself doing that, they would have said, man, one class out of time, that'll be forever, forget it, don't even try. Big mistake. If it's only small, incremental steps, that's what you can do, do it. Just do it. And let it go, because time is going to go forward no matter what. Even if you're like, no, 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 it's like, it's going to go forward. You're going to be a year older, and things move forward whether you want to or not it goes the world moves forward and that's beautiful and so just with your time on earth here so far what is what are things that you know for sure about life (laughs) (laughs) um that i have a expectations have a lot to do with what happens in your life and by this I mean yes sometimes things happen to us or to those around us not good things that affect us profoundly in other words we're a victim of circumstance you can't even say oh you did that well you know that was stupid it's just things that happen to us Uh, but I want to say expectations have so much to do also with what happens there's people that are always expecting the bad thing the other shoe to drop and wow life has a way of giving you exactly what you expect um (laughs) expectations has a lot to do with it when you expect good things you'd be surprised how many times they show up on your doorstep as a matter of fact a lot of people that do this are the ones that people say oh so and so they're so lucky believe it or not luck is it's more like expectations that they see this as a friendly universe versus a hostile universe. And this is something that Albert Einstein spoke about. How do you see the universe? Is it friendly or is it hostile? Because believe it or not, the way we perceive it is how it treats us back. Because whether you want to call it expectations, the law of attraction, um, whether this is already manifested, but you bring it into, so it will cross with paths with you all right um all these things believe it or not as far as manifestation and what happens to us in our lives nobody has a perfect life but then you could say you know yeah i've had my ups and downs but overall i'm happy with my life i i consider i'm a lucky person mm-hmm. has a lot to do with what we expect for life to give us and by the way, it's the memory of good events that sustain you when you're going through a rough patch. Because you know, life is better than this. You know, like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I know that life can be good. I just have to get through this. Whereas people have always had not so good luck or everything is dark. They think, oh, this is, yeah, just, I, I, I never get a break. You know, that self-fulfilling uh, prophecy that they expect the worst. And that's exactly what happens to them. And then maybe later on in life when you ask them, they'll say, oh man, I never caught a break, never. Everything never turned out for me. So yeah, that's that's one thing I've learned, expectations and how you view the universe, as in your universe. Everybody's got a different reality on it. Has a lot to do with what it delivers to you. Yeah, like that's what you said. That's actually one of my um, one of my um, best friends. Uh, he kind of uses that quote too. That, you know, you always have to ask yourself, "Is this a friendly universe?" And yes, I believe it is. You know, right. Even when bad things happen, uh, you know, which we, you, you know, how we t- tend to think like God has it out for you, or like fate is like, okay, what's up with this? 
Uh, it's very tempting sometimes to feel like you're being singled out, especially when stuff happens to you like out of left field. Yeah. Um, but you know, nine times out of ten, it's a temporary thing. Uh, and the sooner you stop that. And by the way, it, it's okay to feel that. It's uh, you know you can't you know how there's these people that Pollyanna that la la everything is what. Yeah. It's okay to go through moments of like sadness, anger, even sometimes a little bit of despair. The problem is when you stay there, yes. when you start feeling so sorry for yourself that you just, just wallow in it. Mm-hmm. And that's where you run into a problem, uh, spiritually, psychologically, and of course it affects you physically. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you a thousand percent there. And, and for you, you know, in regards to waking the fuck up, what do you feel personally for yourself and, and on your experience, what is the one thing that people can start to do today to start waking the fuck up? I think that, wow, let me think about that. It's, it's like, hmm, if I heart, okay, I know this is gonna say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say the one thing that I think is a big culprit in most mm-hmm. people's lives. Most people that I've spoken to that are in a place where they either want to change something a lot in their lives or a certain aspect of their life. I guarantee you, without knowing the particulars about a particular person, it's resistance to change. Mm -hmm. They might logically say, I want to change this or I'm not happy with this, depending on the scale of what they're changing. Some of them want to do a whole life change. It's resistance to change. Resistance to change. They might say they want the change, but psychologically or subconsciously, they do not. And they tell the universe, I don't want to change, even though they're saying they do. I would mm-hmm. tell people, if I had to do something today, I would say, what is what is it that I want to change? Mm-hmm. If Number one, okay, how's this? I would say, look at what you can do in a 24-hour period. Okay? I know there's such a thing as to-do list, but as far as actually thinking... Like, look at your day within a 24-hour capsule. What can I do today? All right? And you might decide, you know what? I'm going to really think about what do I want to change. If it's a large change, do I, can I break it down into segments? And then I would say, number one, on a physical level, declutter your house if you have to. Number two, rearrange stuff in your house, your furniture. Nothing says to the universe, I'm willing to accept change as in making actual physical changes in your surroundings. With MailChimp, you get more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales. With things like data-driven recommendations and powerful automation tools. Get started today at MailChimp.com slash smart marketing. MailChimp, built for growing businesses. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. And people think, what? You mean rearrange my furniture? What's... Yes, yes. It's almost like the first execute of that you get it from here 
to actually doing it. Rearrange your furniture, declutter your, your what you've got. Uh, I would even say go eat someplace you haven't gone to before. Uh, do something new starting that day, okay? And you'd be surprised how many people feel uncomfortable. If you want to test how resistant you are to change, even something like that, tell yourself, okay, I'm going to do this. I bet you any amount of money, you talk yourself out of it. You become too busy. Somebody calls you for something. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. That right there is your subconscious mind telling you, you say you want change, but not really. That, I would say, if you were going to start it, whatever change it is, whatever it might be, start with that. Start with that. And you'd be surprised. You're going to discover a lot about how resistant you are, which means your subconscious is fooling you into thinking, yeah, 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 sure, we'll change. Okay, okay. But we'll think, we'll think about that tomorrow. And then a year goes by. And then another year goes by. And then you have those stories well, you know, once I thought about doing that, but, 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 so yeah. No, that, that's really amazing that you mentioned that because people need to know that change is the only constant. Yes. And that if you, if you are not going to take the actions to change, you know, you are essentially one day going to be forced to change whether you like it or not. Yes. And that could be the cause of, you know, a breakdown or, or some kind of thing that it's, it's maybe not going to be uh, supported to you because like, you know, as you say, the subconscious and certain things like that, you always get these internal promptings. I believe I like to call them, you know what I mean? Kay, it's time to look at that. It's time to, you know, start to finally work on that, but you kind of ignore, ignore, ignore until one day it's like, Oh, you know what I mean? It's something that's so small and manageable is now it's like so overwhelming. And and you're forced to and sometimes people can come out of that and sometimes they can't like it's it's very detrimental right and, and i'm telling you people don't realize how and let's face it as humans we are creatures of habit even the person that says you know i everybody's you know some people it's more ingrained than others as far as that feeling of security and i you know th this is helps me go through my day because I know what's going to happen. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to changing, sometimes we become very resistant to it. And sometimes we do need to change. It is necessary. And like you said, if you dig in your heels in, all you're going to end up is changing and feeling very frustrated because it's going to happen no matter what. No matter what. Yes. Yeah, so I want to get in, into you. Let's dive in deep to Marlene. So what inspired you to take the education that you have taken? So the Master's of Science degree in Human Behavior and Subconscious Behavior. And what does that mean in regards to your ability to help others? Well, originally you know? when I got out of high school, I mm. thought I wanted to go into law. Uh -huh, yeah. Uh -huh, yeah. You know that, that, that thing about then life gets in the way? I landed yeah. a good job, I got married, I had kids. And then somewhere along the way, this is what I'm saying, um, I learned that I wanted, to, I wanted to understand why we do what we do, mm. okay? Um, sometimes people are everything you expect and then others are, huh? And you know, you start reading about it, you start getting into areas where you see to me, human behavior is fascinating uh, because sometimes it's very contradictory. 
Um, like I said, uh, and it's one of those things where you, like I said, I, I don't want to say I woke up one day and it's like, I get it now. It's like all of a sudden you little by little, you start realizing where your true interests lay. Like I said, when you graduate from high school, you're like, I know what I want to be. I want to be a whatever. And let's face it, how many 18-year-olds are really, 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 really know that much about themselves? A lot of <laughs> that really. <laughs> you know, sometimes, yeah, you will have somebody that's got a real clear purpose. But usually when you're that age, you're you're absolutely sure about something, but you really don't know yourself that, that well. But anyway, it's one of those things that it was by degrees. And um, like I said, during those years, I... I had a really good, um, I want to say I do have an analytical mind. During the 90s, I got into the paranormal work. This was way before anything with the reality TV shows. Um, I also um, did a lot of work, you know, as, you know, like I said, I did a lot of, uh, with, with behavior, you look at a lot of things of as far as psychology, uh, models, why people, you know, whether it's addictions, why people sometimes do things that are contrary to their own well-being. Because you always think, why would anybody do that? You know? Um, so, it, it, to me, it was a fascinating thing. Uh, and it just, it just took off from there. And then, you know, of course, I went into hypnotherapy. Uh, my work that I did as an investigator helped me tremendously to understand sometimes why people do the things they do or they're with a certain people or that they're crying out for help, but they feel like they cannot help themselves. They're, in other words, they're always waiting to be rescued. Mm. Um, and so, it, you know, it was like all these things were going on around my life uh, and they one thing complemented the other and helped me understand that as complicated as we are, we're kind of simple because ultimately all we all we ever really truly want is to be happy. Mm. And by this, I don't mean running around like, you know, uh, in the sound of music, ah, you know, like the hills have the sound of music. That's wonderful. Yes, we do have moments like that. Like when you get a new purse for the ladies out there, oh, you know, that kind of, when you're happy, but contentment is what I'm saying. Happiness, mm. moments of great happiness, contentment. That's really what, all human beings want the problem is what gives us that feeling for example uh, let's say an addict an addict has had the reward centers in their brain so burnt out that the only thing that really doesn't make them happy nine times out it doesn't make him happy it just feeds their uh, the the their body the the reward centers in their brain is the drug use or whatever it might be a process addiction whatever the things that make other people happy, like, I, I, hey, I met somebody new, or we're going to the movies, or I'm going to take a great vacation that everybody gets, you know, excited about, those things don't matter. So this is one of the things that I learned as far as learning about uh, human behavior, which I found so fascinating, and helping people, helping understand people why sometimes they do the things they do. Um and but let's face it, and I think any psychologist will tell you, I think everybody that goes into this field is hoping in the process to learn more about yourself. 
Yeah. You know the Silence of the Lamb. Okay, yeah. we're gonna, I'm gonna let me go off off the off the thing. You know the Silence of the Lamb when Hannibal Lecter is psychoanalyzing Clarice, and he's asking her why she wants to rescue the lambs. Yeah, and she wants that. That's why eventually she becomes an FBI agent. What she's looking for is to save the lambs, the Silence of the Lambs. But she goes. That's part of her drive. This weird thing. She's, well, I think that most people that get into this, they along the way they're hoping to understand themselves better. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And because you have so many di different aspects of what, what you're you're into. And yeah, I'm so, uh, I want to know how you got into creating, you know, your Miami Ghost Chronicles. Like what led you down to that path of supernatural? Well, ever since I, you know, when I was a kid, like most kids, you know, that I, I started reading books about ghosts, you know, because that's what they had in the kids section of the library, ghosts and dinosaurs, <laughs> mysteries, you know, stuff like that. Um, Hans Holzer, so I started reading that. And then I did not grow it. And then in the 90s, I started writing about it. And then I was always a freelancer, um, where I joined a research foundation that covered the state of Florida. And uh, they would contact me when they had things down in uh, like South the South Florida area to participate in the in that uh, an investigation or they would just need my help uh, and in other words but in the meantime let's say between investigations I started Miami Ghost Chronicles to just to I had a lot of people send me stories I had a lot of people talk to me and tell me things that I don't think they had told anybody I was willing to listen to them. And sometimes things happen to people that they never really understood why. They lived, let's say, a few months at a certain place, and they would tell about this weird stuff, and they never figured out why or who, just at the t time that they were there. And to me, those things were fascinating. Um, and, I mean, throughout the years, I've got tons of stories of people sending me emails. Um, and like I said, I... I turned out I was I, I want to want to say I was one of the one of the founding members that's still around from the original group of uh, Florida uh, Paranormal Research Foundation that's still there. Some of them, most of them, but a lot of them after the years have gone on. I'm, I'm still one of the ones that, and I learned to work with a lot of other groups. That was the thing. I I'd like to work with other groups. Uh, some of them are heavy, especially after in these last few years where they've come out with all this equipment. A lot of them rely heavily on equipment, others not. I do a lot of consulting uh, because a lot of people have known me. I've traveled to other states to help other groups out. Uh, or even now I consult where, where they'll call me and they'll ask me, uh, what do you think about this? Or we have this, this something going on here with has this this flavor to it like what, what do you think about this and I'll tell them you know um, I even had people sometimes call me you know about using groups the other way around it's the client you know and and you know and I give them I help give them instruction like okay if you're gonna allow somebody in your home this is what you should be looking for you know the other, you know the other way uh, and it's just one of the th those things that evolve. Uh, I, the years roll by, and I was still doing it. I learned a lot. I saw a lot of things. Um, and to me, I guess, 
like everybody else, ultimately, it's like what happens to us after we die. You know, everybody always thinks, is that it? You know, once you die, that's over? Or does something happen to us, uh, our souls, our spirit, whatever you want to call it? Is there something that survives the death of our bodies? Uh, and I'll tell you what, I've seen enough firsthand to absolutely believe that, yes, that there's more to us than just our bodies, that the end of our bodies is the end of our consciousness. It's over. Yeah. So I, I'm going to get into that the dungeon approach later, but for you, what has been the most, like, I guess a terrifying experience for you uh, in your career of uh, the supernatural? Like, you know, because the thing is that I, I can't even, I'm scared of the dark, so I, you know what I mean? I can't comprehend, you know what I mean, doing anything like that or even watching scary movies. I cannot. So I'm kidding. You know what? It's really funny because, like I said, I've always dragged my kids along into some of the stuff. And when they were teenagers, a couple of times I, I was doing with another group. Uh, up in Fort Lauderdale, uh, this historical place, which is, and they would say, you know, stuff is going, people are running in the other direction, and there's mom, look, look, you know, like, get her out of there, you know, because especially my two sons who are teenagers, they're like, yeah, everybody's running away from Godzilla, and here's mom running towards Godzilla, or, you know, whatever, you know, Godzilla being some scary apparition or something. Yeah, you know, I have had moments of experiences sometimes visual, auditory, where you jump, like, let's face it, you're a human being. But then you think, okay, that's what I'm here for. But, you know, um, I want to say one of the times that this was, uh, this was years back, um, usually we had people show up, like, in their cars, in their vehicles, because everybody was coming from a, you know, we were doing an investigation, and, you know, usually what we would do is afterwards we would, you know, instead of, standing outside somebody's house we would go to like a nearby parking lot gas station a restaurant burger somewhere just for like a 10 minute like everything okay you know what did you get it's, you know it's very unprofessional to either have that discussion when the client is there or out front especially if these people it's midnight you know or 1 a.m and, and let's face it nobody wants to have your neighbors think what's going on over there so I remember one time where we, I think it was a, I want to say it was like, um, this is a parking lot of one of those mini marts and it was like at a corner. It was, it was after hours, the place was empty. It wasn't here in Miami. It was a little bit further up. So it was a smaller town. So when I say traffic is nil, nothing. Um, one time I had two occasions. One time we were standing there and I want to say maybe it was six of us. And we just parked our cars and we're standing there and we're like, well, what did you think? And what did you think? And what happened? You know, this is before we, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, nobody's paying attention. And we start hearing a conversation, like people talking. And you know, when you're not paying attention because everybody's talking, then everybody looks at one another. And we're like hearing somebody, like a bunch of people talking. And we're like looking around, like, did you hear that? Yeah. Where are they? You know, we're looking, there's nobody around us. Oh my God. We're hearing, and now the funny thing is, you could hear people murmuring, but you couldn't understand exactly what they were saying. You know, like when you hear far off, like a murmuring, more than one person, almost like a group in a sense, at least three, and you're like realizing there's nobody around us that's close enough that we would be able to hear, you know, 
them at 1 a.m. on a weekday having a conversation that's drifting over to us. And it was one of, that's the first time that you realize that some things can't follow you when you leave an investigation. And, and we all looked at each other and said, yeah, it's, all right, yeah, let's go. Everybody, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll resume this conversation. I'll email you, okay? You know, we never figured it out. We never found out. We, 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 we just looked at each other and you see us like looking around. I think there was like one car parked in front of this little mini mart. The gas station was empty. It was uh, like a business, like a little, you know, the intersection. And there's no, there's no traffic. There's nothing. There's, yeah, far off, there's a few residential homes, which all the lights are off, maybe a porch light. Everybody's at sleep. It was like 1 a.m. And we're like looking around like, who the hell is, where's this coming from? That was one of the first ones that I really like. I was like, okay. Just because we say it's over, like uh, another time we had something similar where same thing, this poor lady, she, same thing, we were parked around each other and we heard something thumping around in the trunk of her car. Oh my God. <laughs> Same thing. We all looked and we looked at her like, man, what did you do? Did you leave your cat in your trunk of your car? <laughs> it, because it wasn't like, you know, when something falls or shifts, it was something that you could hear like moving in the trunk yeah. of her car. And I remember her looking at us and she's like, no, no. You know, and I'm like, well, something's in there. Like, like we're thinking, did you leave the window? I, we're trying to figure out how did something get into the trunk of your car? Nobody at this point is thinking supernatural. Because it's sounding like something alive. Yeah. So we're looking at her and we're like, she has a vehicle, a regular stand. In other words, she's a, we're like, okay. Like, so we look at her and we're like, okay, you got to open the trunk. And she's like, yeah, it's your car. Like, of course, <laughs> you're the one opening the trunk. Sorry. Yeah. She was a trunk. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. All her, you know, she, she didn't have a bunch of crap. She just had like, um, you know, those cables that you, you know, just a couple of things in her trunk of her car. She said, I don't have anything in there. And we're like, okay. And then she goes into her, the car. And this was around the time, I don't know if you were, the Beanie Babies were a big deal. Mm-hmm. And she had a couple, she was one of these people that collected Beanie Babies. And she, she comes back and her eyes are like this big. And we're like, what's wrong? She goes, the Beanie Babies. They've been moved. I mean, you look at this. This sounds like something from a sitcom. The Beanie Babies moved. We're like, what? She goes, yeah. Because she had like a couple on her dashboard and things like that. And she's like, they're, they've been moved. They're on the floor and on the seat next to me. And we're like, um, she goes, I drive with them all the time. They don't ever shift. They don't ever move. They're there. She was hysterical. She was getting hysterical. You know, and, and I know it sounds very like funny, but right then and there, you're like, what the hell, you know, like, what is it, again, that's following us, that's something that was in there, like her, we never figured that one out either. Um, another one, I want to say that that was, I've, I mean, I've heard footsteps, I have heard footsteps, uh, just, you know, either afterwards when I'm examining uh, recordings, like, in other words, you don't hear it right then and there, you hear it afterwards, other times I have heard it real time. Sometimes very close, sometimes distantly, like in another part. The only time that I could say that I kind of wigged out was um, I was doing an investigation. It was an older house. It was empty, uh, a two-story house. And uh, for anybody that's familiar with really older houses, you know how the stairwells are very narrow. 
you know, and hallways are more narrow. This is like an older, older house, okay? Uh, and I remember the upstairs, there was two bedrooms, and I had said, okay, I'm going to stay upstairs with the recording. I'm going to turn off the light. Let's see what happens, what I can hear, if anything, anything manifests. The house was almost empty. They had taken most of the furniture out. They had just left a couple of pieces back there, and um, I remember there was nowhere to sit, so I had sat on the floor and I was sitting almost like almost in the hallway but against the door of one of the uh, bedrooms which were really small they weren't that big and behind me was where the stairwell and you know you came up up the stairs and you know that was the beginning of that hallway and I was just sitting there and again it must have been like 1 a.m. and all of a sudden I hear something and I knew where the other, there was, there was not that many people that night. I think it was like maybe three or four of us. And I hear something. And anybody that's familiar with wooden houses will know that when you go on stairs, they make sometimes like a squeak, like a, you know, when you put your weight on something. And then I hear something or somebody, I want to say it's somebody coming up the stairs uh, without shoes, like with like the slap slap. A feet like a barefoot in other words and I knew perfectly well that none of the team members was barefoot much less were they going to come up the stairs unless they had told me I'm coming up so we could account for it and I remember my back <laughs> I'm hearing this up uh, is it was like a uh, you know when the stairs just go up like I said it wasn't a big house so I'm hearing something coming up behind me because my back is to that stairwell to where it ends up at the end of the beginning of that hallway. So as it comes closer, that's when I start making out that it's barefoot, something, somebody coming up barefoot. And it's difficult to explain how you know the difference between that and somebody that has shoes on, but you can. And a little bit of the squeak, and I was like, okay, at some point you're going to have to turn around and look and see what's coming up those stairs. I was like, ah, oh, okay. You know, like part of you doesn't want to look, but part of you is like, I got to look. I have to see what's coming up the stairs and something's coming up the stairs and it's barefoot. Yeah. And because I think that's the worst fear that people have is they're going to see something. Yeah. And I said, well, if you don't look, this thing is going to grab you by the back, by your neck. But, you know, your imagination goes, Ugh. Yeah. And it's almost when it's up there, I just like, I said, okay, that's it. No, and I said a bad word, like, fuck it. <laughs> and um, I just turned around. There was nothing there. There was nothing there. Which, believe it or not, sometimes is scarier than actually seeing something. Mm. Yeah, and later on that night, I, I, you know, I had a one of those little Radio Shack digital recorders on. And... Like I said, some, a lot of those things you really don't know what you pick up until later on where you review the, the, the audio. And I remember I said, okay, all right, let's see. So I stayed up there and I remember that uh, there was, I think there was only like a bed frame that they had propped against one of the walls of this room, which was rather small. They had, had only one window and so they had a little bit of ambient light coming through there, but there was this corner. I was like catty corner. That corner across from me was dark. 
it was like a darker corner. Like I said, I was almost outside in the hallway, just trying to keep an eye on both rooms at the same time. But mm -hmm. I'm leaned up against the thing. And all of a sudden, I smell, you know that smell right before a thunderstorm when it starts to rain, like ionization? Yes. Like, almost like a humid... And I'm like smelling that. And I'm like, and I'm looking out the window, which is closed. And I could tell there's no bad weather. There's because that's another thing. When you would go on investigations, usually you check the weather beforehand. Like, what am I going to expect <clears throat> for practical reasons and because it can affect the, the investigation? I knew there was no rain expected. I'm looking out the window. It's clear. I don't see any, the whip. And I'm s smelling ionization in that room with me. And then, like, in that dark corner right across from me, I see what, like, the, the that in that darkness, like, it shifts a little bit. Like, something starts taking form, and I'm looking. And I see what, I want to say, looks like it grows, and the top is, you could kind of make out, like, the outline of the human head and shoulders. And I'm looking... And it's almost, I see it turn its head and it sees me. It almost becomes aware of me. And then whatever it is just darts whoosh, into the closet. I was right next to it. And that's it. That, that was the end of the, the smell just faded away. And that was like, it was, it was very, but it, what it taught me was that it was aware of me. Hey, I'm Katie Grossman, a trail and ultra marathon runner sponsored by New Balance. I'm also a creative professional, wife to my life and running partner, Dominic, and a very proud mom of two girls. Life has gotten a little crazy, especially after battling postpartum injury and an abdominal tumor. But running is still a huge part of my identity, and it legitimately improves my mental health. I'm working my way back to racing, but for now, I'm still finding peace on the trail. Go be on the run at newbalance.com. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. In other words, it wasn't a residual haunting where uh, it was on a time loop or, you know, it was just doing its thing and it was unaware. It, when it saw me, I, I saw distinctly when the head moved and it saw me like sitting down against the door of the room. And once it became aware of me, it darted into the closet. So, um, you know, it was like, again, that th th those are a lot of things that you have that firsthand experience, which leads you to believe um in other words you don't have expectations about what you're going to see you don't and a lot of times it's visual it's auditory uh your sense of smell also you know you will have phenomena i want to and i mean along the years i want to say um you have um you have certain encounters that at the moment they startle you uh 
I want to say really about the scariest thing is when you go into an investigation that there is some type of malevolence or darkness to it. And I'm telling you, you, from the moment you go in there, you feel a difference. You, you, you're, especially after you do this for a while, your body starts like saying, beware, beware, beware. And usually you don't do that just because there's a supernatural agent there. Your body or whatever senses you have are trying to tell you whatever is here is dark. Okay. And, um, as a matter of fact, that that's when, uh, and by this, I don't mean your imagination runs away. This is after you develop like a certain, like you've been in places where, for lack of a better word, it's just a regular dead person. <laughs> it's like, okay. I mean, it's scary because it's life versus anti-life in a way, but sometimes you go into places where you feel it right away when you get there. Sometimes, believe it or not, it's even what's going on, the interaction with the living and what's there where... Um, I don't know if you've heard of the term of people being haunted versus the place. Mm -hmm. And some people, families or individuals, unfortunately have some type of darkness as in a dark entity that has been walking with them for quite a while. And then when you talk to them, you realize every place they've been at, they have had some type of supernatural something going on. And you're like, wait a minute, you know, you realize that it's you. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. not the place. And sometimes if you if you happen to move into a place that's it's got its own thing, and then that's when you get the Barnum and Bailey Three Ring Circus and people are like, what? Things are going crazy in here. And it's because, yeah, because you brought in another player into a paranormal yeah, circus. Yeah, and when you're doing those things, like that's a, a, the dungeon approach. That's where you're, you're just relying more on your senses then. Right, well, the dungeon, this is, I want to say, this is benefit, again, of doing this I can tell everybody, when I got into this, this was when you paid to develop film. That's how far back, in the 90s, when there was no digital cameras. So basically, you relied, there was very little instrumentation. You maybe had, maybe you could take a base temperature, cameras, 35 millimeters. You spent a lot of money sometimes taking care, taking um, pictures of nothing. Um, and maybe cassette recorders. You know, it was very basic. And I want to say the good part of that is you weren't distracted by too much instruments. I've seen lately where there's too many investigators have too many things going on, too many instruments to pay attention to. Uh, and the thing, what happens with that is if you don't have enough people to man him, pay attention to cameras and to all the, what you need, it, be, it, it all of a sudden that that becomes the focus versus you'd be surprised and it develops more patience when you sit still and observe just sit there for a while and observe and that's when you come across a lot of interesting actual supernatural not when you got a bunch of people in the cameras you know like hey and the ding 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 and the the lights and the you know let's throw that net and the you know the little you know, and I've worked with all that equipment. Dungeon approach is somebody that's really familiar <clears throat> when they feel it in their body. Okay. Mm. And they, they, they don't let their imagination run away with them. And they have the patience to sit there, maybe even an hour, two hours, and observe. Mm. Okay. 
and that's when you really truly get a lot of phenomena happening but most people don't have the patience or the time because really what they're hoping to do there is they want to capture that evidence right away you know now and the supernatural is not an on-demand thing it just isn't um and contrary to what most people think you will have some entities which they're belligerent and want to make themselves known but i want to say 80 percent of hauntings if it's especially if it's an intelligent haunting they hide they do not want to interact with an investigation team they're hoping that they will make themselves scarce and you will leave and that's exactly what most people do so unless you quiet down i have to ask you then those movies the paranormal activity yeah, uh, right. and also right. the movies what are you what is your take on that and then we'll move into the other you know what and i understand you're, you're making a movie and it would be you know <laughs> you gotta make it think like i brought this i bought this groovy little thing at the flea market and uh, that night you know i got attacked uh, okay yeah uh, and I understand. Entertainment is entertainment. Uh, I'll, I'll, I tell everybody, you know what? When you your video went out, what? Your video? Um, I cut. I cut out of the video. Let me see. Yeah. Let's see. Maybe that they got mad. I asked that question. <laughs> yeah, really paranormal. Let me see. <laughs> okay, am I back? No. All right. Let's see. Oh, right. Okay. What, what timing, hey? <laughs> I'm telling you, somebody's like her. Okay, a video. Okay. All right, how about now? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I see myself here. Okay. You still don't see me? No. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Start video. Okay, now you're back. Okay. <laughs> it just, I'm telling you, it just did that by itself, by the way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we, we, we're, we're being, uh... <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you're being sabotaged. You know, a lot of people at home are needing you, so... Yeah, they can mess with electronics. They, they can't. I've seen that happen a lot of times. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's so, weird. It's weird when, when stuff like for no reason whatsoever, you know. Yeah, like, oh. it happened again. Your your thing went out. It went I out was about again. to ask him about it, oh, and then. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is hilarious. I'm telling you. Okay, video. Okay. All right. How about now? No. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's so funny. It really. Well, maybe I'll ask it uh, right now, and then so uh, 
when you're live on video, we'll see what happens. So I guess the thing is, it's like with those movies, uh, Paranormal Activity and all the other stuff, like how, how real or how um, accurate is it uh, compared to I based think, on what you've seen? I think that sometimes, you know, like, let's say, um, I think whether it's a haunted house or a haunted item or a uh, whatever you want to call it, um, yes, there, it can be dark. You can have an attachment to an item, uh, but usually in my experience, it's very slow and incremental. And in some investigations, it takes people all of a sudden a while, like, like their life starts to unravel in certain ways. And then when they follow it back, you know, that that's one of the things I do, you know, on the pre-interview, which is like, okay, how long have you had this experience? Was there a triggering event? Somebody's death? You know, like, let's think back. When did you start realizing? You'd be surprised how some of them all of a sudden, I'll say, did you move someplace? Did you acquire this? Did you acquire that? An item? Anything? You'd be surprised how many times it's they, they kind of realize the point of origin is either when they brought in a certain piece of sometimes jewelry. It could be mm -hmm. a piece of furniture. I've even had it where, you know, a family member has died and they bring back, you know, a certain item memorabilia. And they don't realize that sometimes even their family member, that attachment was with that object, even when their family member had it. But for some reason, they never spoke about it and they bring something into their house. Or, you know, the famous, you know, I went to the cemetery thing. Mm -hmm. uh, there's usually a point of origin. It's just slower. I want to say that what you see in the movies. Uh, the, sometimes it's something... Uh, just sometimes a feeling, let's say, um, for example, I've had people move into houses where one of the rooms, they didn't know it, one of the rooms was being used as a sick room for somebody before. You know, somebody that was being taken care of at home, who had been sick. They never knew it. You know, the house or the place was painted, it looked beautiful. And that one room that was, they learned later on, was being used as a sick room for a certain person maybe elderly or just somebody that was suffering from some type of disease and was at home, they start experiencing physical symptoms similar to what that person had. Mm -hmm. uh, other times uh, you have people just, even the feelings, they, if, uh, even if it's not an act of haunting, depending on, if they say if it was a piece of furniture or clothing where they even start sometimes acting, getting characteristics of that person. Okay. Ooh, it's getting scary. I feel it. I, you know, I have this poster behind me. Can you get back on your video? Um, like I'm, I'm working on it as, as so I'm trying like, to figure out why, why is it doing this? As you're talking about this, I'm looking at this poster behind me or this, um, you know, Arna have me uh, behind me, and I'm like, the eyes are staring at me. I see, <laughs> and I'm getting scared. I'm like, oh my god, okay, like maybe let's change the conversation. It's like, don't do that to me. Oh my god, I'm getting scared. 
Okay, let's see. Let's see, how about this? Let me see if I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like, uh, okay. And for the people who are listening and watching, the reason why you're hearing all those um, noises. Oh yes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have, I have chickens and I have a lot of exotic birds and, yeah. and when you, when you have a lot of animals, guess what? In the middle of the day, they are awake, awake, awake. And they're like, they, they want to make themselves known. And yeah, it's, it's usually a real big mess. Okay. Let me see. Yeah, I have to stop looking at this poster. He's <laughs> <laughs> staring at me in the eyes. I guess he's on the computer. Don't look at me. Or don't look at me. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, I tell everybody. I, 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 I tell everybody, you know, you know how that, that, I said I would never bring in something from the flea market or an antique store or even those curbside pickups, you know, where people now put stuff on their curb. Mm-hmm. You know, so that it's just, I mean, people usually are just trying to be kind and nice or... I would say, if you ever get a bad vibe from it, I don't care how nice it is, leave it. But let's say you don't, and you really could use it. I would smudge it down. I would never, ever, ever bring anything into my house that I would pick up in any of these places because there's just no way to know what the background is on it. Mm. And for all you know, like I said, I've had done enough investigations that that ends up being the point of origin of where things started like i said and that's the way it usually works it works so slowly that people don't don't catch on right away it takes them a while to realize hey you know what after we did that or we bought that home that's when everything started going crazy for us (laughs) why are you still you're still wigging out with Yeah, like I'm getting, <laughs> I get scared so easily. Like say, if I were talking to you right now and you went around that corner, right? And then I walked around the corner, you went boo, I would probably freak out, like, you know? But then the thing is, even if I walked there again, you did it a second time, I'd still be equally freaked out. <laughs> now, like, you know what I mean? My body is getting tense. I'm getting scared. I'm like, oh my God, I don't see anything, but I feel like eerie. I'm like, oh no. You know it's, what? It, it's... <laughs> Since we're talking about paranormal, uh, right at that moment, this thing kind of <laughs> technology or whatever interrupts with it. It's never happened to me before. And, you know, it's hilarious. And even with getting on Facebook, like live, you know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, I don't believe in coincidences. I think <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, but, at, at, you know, at the same time, it's, it's like, you, you know, you got to be careful, but you can't also like always be looking over your shoulder as far as uh you know we do have it's, it's not we're always going to be the victim of everything you know what i'm saying there's just people yeah. that prime themselves also into believing that this is going to happen to them you know like don't do that either um that everything is the ghost uh, i've been to a lot of investigations which it turns out to be anything but the paranormal and people want it to be the paranormal i'm thinking do you really realize what you're asking for and it's like, no, you know, either you've got a draft coming down or 
you know, you move something that now a draft that wasn't there before is there now, or something is making this noise. Um, I've had people run out of their house in the middle of the night because they hear a, a weird noise. They, they actually like leave, like go to their cars and like, don't you what? what did you try to find out? This? No, I'm not going to find. No, no. We just left the house. We went to the car. We went to my in-laws house. We went to my mom's house. There's no way. It's like, come on. You got to try to find out what it is. It could be anything. That sounds like something happened to you. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I people do that. And it's like, okay, you cannot jump the gun that quickly and assume it's the paranormal. It's, believe it or not, a lot of times it isn't. Um, I mean, it could be maybe something at night, like condensation, something that if you... You won't hear it during the daytime because the weather isn't, you know, you only hear it at night. It, it could be a lot of things. Um, and people just, they're just like, no, it's the ghost. What goes? I don't know what goes, but I um, I can't. And it turns out to be anything but. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a weird kind of um, situation where you can't give in to your fears either totally and be ruled by them. That's like... Um, you know, don't do that to yourself. Don't, don't do that either. But luckily, I don't run into those situations a lot, so uh, maybe um, I'll have the courage to build a stronger muscle, muscle or courage to deal with it. But uh, at this moment, uh, nothing. <laughs> well, see, I'm yeah. telling you, I have no idea, Carol, why the, um, why this is acting. The the camera decided it was just not going to you know just cooperate I, I i really don't know what to tell you i i don't know why well, that's all right you know actually maybe one of these days what i'll do you know when i'm able to go to the states maybe i'll just go with you one of those yes, yes. We and I think that's absolutely to absolutely it's yeah. um like i said uh i talked to a lot of people and uh, you know, I'm 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 really happy in the sense of all the paranormal reality shows because it's made it more mainstream, and but I think the the downside of it is that there's sometimes too much sensationalism, and you know what there there are families sometimes that go through things that they really don't understand, and for lack of a better word, they they're terrorized. They are terrorized inside their home. Like where can you go if it's happening where you live? Okay. It's not like when you see the horror movie and everybody picks up their stuff and, well, oh, that was so scary, but okay, let's go home now. If this is where you live, which is supposed to be your sanctuary, and it's everything but your sanctuary, mentally, uh, physically, spiritually, it could be, it terrorizes a family, especially when they don't understand what's going on. Um, and despite a lot of the things that you see, all these families wanting to talk about their ghosts, there's a slew of them out there that is like, please, please don't say anything to anybody about this. Uh, I've had a lot of them that have approached uh, their clergy or their parish churches or anything looking for help. And they're turned away or dismissed or poo-pooed. And they're kind of like pulling their hair out because they're like, okay, if I've gone supposedly to the people that deal in this, which is the spiritual world, and they don't lend me a hand, then what am I supposed to do? And you'd be surprised I have run across a lot of those scenarios 
where even uh, priests, clergy, I'm not going to lay it only on the Catholic Church, I'm going to lay it, you know, any type of uh, denomination or congregation or whatever you want to call it, that I tell them, you know what, those people do believe it, they just are so scared of it themselves that they rather tell you that it's your imagination because they don't want to confront it either. And you're lucky if you get a house blessing. Yeah. You know, you, you know what? It's so crazy because as we talk about this whole supernatural stuff, like there's so much parallel to, you know, dealing with our physical issues. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're talking about these gore, ghosts and paranormal activity, but then that parallels, you know, the uh, our past and fears um, that we don't want to conquer internally. So it's 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 kind of crazy how that is uh, parallels a little bit. Well, sometimes people, believe it or not, they use also the paranormal, and I have seen this, to, <clears throat> how can I say it? They want, they want the paranormal instead of dealing with their own problems. That okay. is bonkers. <laughs> you know, and you think, well, why would, because it's just, like I said, I mean, I've gone to investigations where we've told the family or the individual, you know, there's, we can't absolutely say, but we, we, we don't feel there's anything. Or, or we notice that there's something going on, and they become upset. They want to have the paranormal exist because uh, uh, if you have a family that's in crisis or has got some type of dysfunction, this becomes like the decoy. Instead of them dealing with what's going on with them, they decoy all of this towards the, uh, the, the, the ghost. How's that? You know what I'm saying? Instead of maybe dealing with something that's going on within the family that needs to be addressed. Or, you know, or you know, uh, the, this person is behaving this way because they're being influenced by the ghost kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? That yeah, sometimes and happens. And real life, because it's almost like, you know, you don't want to deal with your fear, your past. So you're going to numb it with, you know what I mean? Um, certain other things. Yeah. Too busy, you know what I mean? So it, it's, uh, it's really... Uh, a crazy parallel, but you yeah. know, now. Yeah, I have, I have seen people use the paranormal, uh, like as in, this is what I'm going to use to not take care of or address something that's going on uh, with myself or with my family or the dynamics. Um, uh, sometimes I've had this even with teenagers. Don't get me wrong, sometimes I have seen kids being influenced but some people it's like it's like okay stop blaming it on the ghost you know you might have a kid that's got some type of behavior disorder you know don't don't cheat them out of maybe getting treatment because you want to lay it uh, uh, you know on the supposed ghost <laughs> that's making your kid act out don't do that you know that that's why I'm saying it's you gotta be a little bit careful around that I have run across people also that have mental health issues where they're convinced that this is the the phenomena if any is taking place is a supernatural agency and you realize up to a certain point by the way and i've spoken to a lot of investigators that you have to be really careful where you tread on this ground sometimes it this person really does need mental health and you really cannot do anything for them as a paranormal group let's face it 
you're not there to do mental health counseling or in some cases if they need some type of medication. Sometimes you do see both things together. We see that a lot. Okay, we do see dark, supernatural um, entities, manifestations coupled with mental illness. Okay, uh, and that's a bad combination. Bad combination. And again, the advice I give to paranormal groups is you need to back out of those things. You need to really be very careful around situations like that because it's, you know, people like that, that their grip on reality sometimes comes and goes. Mm -hmm. um, again, you're there to do a paranormal investigation. You're not there as a mental health counselor, psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever that person may need. Um, there's a lot of people that should be on meds and they don't take meds. And again, you know, when you tell them the, they can become aggressive, when you tell them no. I'm Katie Grossman, the ultra marathon runner sponsored by New Balance. I'm also a creative professional, wife and mom. Life has gotten crazy, especially after battling a tumor, but running still improves my life, both physically and mentally. Go beyond the run at newbalance.com. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Others, we didn't capture the ghost or we didn't see the ghost or we can't tell you what the name of the ghost is and so yeah it's a you have to be really careful in those scenarios as an investigator and by that again I don't mean that it's just totally a person's head it's just that you sometimes you have to look out for the safety of your team mm -hmm. uh, so yeah the, the, there's a darker aspect also to paranormal investigations that people don't see because when they when you see these shows, they have producers and people that go in there and they kind of vet the the the, the people, the location, the what's going on. In other words, they kind of have a control on it. Every once in a while, you see stuff that that goes off sideways. But overall, they have a production crew behind them that does all the legwork and steers them away from somebody that's disturbed. But when you're a regular paranormal investigator, you'd be surprised. You could do a pre-interview with some people and they sound very logical or they downplay that there's already somebody living in the household who is, is disturbed. And you only find out about this when you and your team arrive. And then you're like, oh, oh, oh. And you realize, you know, I've seen that where that other person, I want to say, is being influenced by something dark and they're giving the team members a look like any minute I'm going to come at you with a cleaver. You know, and you're like, and you know, you see everybody's like, okay, don't, you know, don't lose sight of that person, especially when they're staying in the house. And yes, they, you see behavior, mental health problems, and you also have a flavor that whatever is there. Uh, might be influencing them because they're like they're shooting they, they're not happy at all at all that you're there and that's one of the times that you back out and mm -hmm. hopefully you know uh, after a while you develop a network of 
either groups that are willing to engage in cases of this nature and again even then they're very careful uh, even clergy I want to say are you know really careful around scenarios like that you know especially if you have any any schizophrenia or really uh, where that person loses touch with reality yeah so with these kind of scenarios like um, have you run into situations where okay you thought they were mentally ill but then they're actually possessed like kind of yeah. an exorcist yeah. situation okay. yeah well I'll tell you what I have found that people sometimes that do have mental illnesses and there is it almost exacerbates the symptoms of what their mental illness is in other words they become difficult they don't want to take their meds they don't cooperate with family members who are trying to help them they whereas maybe without this darker influence they would be more cooperative how's that they would take their meds they would go see their their mental health professional uh they get along better with their family members in other words they they help their support system out they do all the opposite okay and yes and i have i have seen i've been to places where i've looked into a person's eyes and what looks back at you is not human i know this sounds like really like hollywood like but yes i've had that I've seen that I've I've stared into somebody's eyes which the what's looking back at me is not human and I don't know how to I know that's it's a human no, person I, but it's just this thing like you know we, we you know we do a lot of communications with our eyes our visuals you know and you know how you, sometimes you look at that person and go oh, that person has crazy eyes but you know, yeah, at least yeah, you know they're yeah. human and crazy whatever yeah. they're, they're human it's just crazy as hell but this is where you see this total lack of reaction like dead eyes like you know like I yeah I've encountered that I've encountered that and that's um this is a person that you would say has no fear of consequences there is no right or wrong. There is no, I'm going to get in trouble with this. I'm going to get arrested. I might go to jail. I'm not supposed to do that. I want to say a lot of the horrific uh, cases that you see in the media where you'll have people decapitate family members, do really horrific things. A lot of times, yes, those people did have severe mental illness, but I, one of the things that's like the elephant in the room, of course, that nobody's going to talk about is that there might have been some type of dark spiritual turbulence egging them on mm. uh, making them just uh, make them see let's say that their their family members whoever they're as the enemy and not only as the enemy as in the person i must get rid of it i mean it could take a re a lot of a lot of you have to understand the purpose and this and we're getting into non-human entities here this is really dark stuff their aim is corruption uh agony of the human beings uh destruction uh unhappiness and it's like a ripple effect it doesn't only want to destroy the life of that person that it's taken over 
It wants to use that person as an instrument to cause anguish to those around them. Okay? So that's when you have these people that do things. In, and I'm sure you come across stories where some of these people are interviewed later on by uh, law enforcement and they'll say, I don't remember when I did this. I don't remember it. I just like I, I remember this point up to this point and then I remember being arrested and in the in-between part I don't remember it uh, that happens and that's part of it when they are when you talked about being taken over or possessed okay out and out possession 100% of the time is really rare but there's something called obsession which is where you're obsessed and possessed only for a period of time okay which is when it basically uh, sublimates the person's um, real personality. Because sometimes people have mental illness, but they still love, let's say they could still love their family members. You understand what I'm saying? The illness, the disease in their brain doesn't take away from their feelings towards those they love. But when this thing takes them over, that part of them is it's put in the background. And that's when you see them do horrific things against people that they love. And then you'll hear interviews where they'll say they can't remember. Or they'll they'll describe feelings, certain feelings like rage and, again, uh, that they don't understand themselves. Even within, even within their own madness, how they could do this. Um, that is a lot of times where you see the darker aspect of a possession obsession scenario going on um I'll, and you know and some people will say well you know what this person's saying that because they're they're gonna plead insanity or some something like that it's like yeah but you know what there's people that do this and it's they know that they're gonna be the ones that are gonna be arrested for it you know it's not like you do a crime and you're hoping to get away with it it's like you're the prime suspect because you were there you know like um, so yeah, that you see that more often than not, but there's just no way to prove it. And of course, you know, uh, I mean, you've heard, you, I have heard of some cases where the, you know, the defense attorney will try to use that more, but more than not, what the defense attorney has to fall back on is insanity, mental health problems. Another good, uh, example of this is, you know, the Amityville horror, right? You know, the murder that took place before the Lutzes moved in which was when he went in there um, and the guy killed his entire family, murdered his parents, and murdered all his siblings. And as a matter of fact, he's still in jail for it. Uh, God, how can I... And, there was, and he's kind of flip-flopped on why or how he did it. And some people are saying that he was doing drugs. and I mean, there's been a bunch of theories. But I do, I want to say, I believe that there's the part where he says he cannot remember when he actually killed him. Like, in other words, he blacked out. Yeah. That part, I, 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 I tend to believe it. And, you know, and some people think, well, you know, and that's another thing, um, which I think is really weird. When I'm, I'm going to use it as a reference because I've heard this happen. Um... A lot of people will say to this, to this day, why nobody heard those shots coming from the house when he killed the family. This was a residential neighborhood in the middle of the night. A shotgun blast, several shotgun blasts, 
you would usually hear. Yeah. And that one neighbor, another neighbor's going to hear it, especially if there's more than one, you know, where somebody's going to wake up and go, was that a shot? What is that? Especially if you live in a, in a house, in a neighborhood where it's not like, it's not a bad neighborhood. You know, it's not like, hey, shootings all the time here. Nobody heard anything. Uh, sometimes I've heard that as being an aspect of um, the same thing. You know, the, there's some type of dark malevolence involved. Uh, same thing, I, there was another case, I want to say it was in the 70s or early 80s, family annihilator, same thing, wiped out his family on an Easter Sunday, shot everybody up on a Sunday in the middle of, it was in Ohio. Um, his brother, his mom, his sister-in-law, like a five or six kids inside a house in the middle of the day. Nobody heard any shots. He was the one that called police at about 4.30 in the afternoon and said, hey, I did this. I think you guys need to come over. Mm. How can you not hear shots going off inside a house? Very weird stuff, uh, you know, that overlaps and some people don't want to look at it. But the, yes, sometimes you will have a dark influence, which is that whisper, you know, that little push to make that person go over the edge and do something. It's not a total manipulation. All you have to have is that whisper in the ear at a certain time or that little push to do it. And then that moment of madness takes over and then, of course, horrible things take place. Uh, so when you ask me, it, it, it definitely it overlaps one thing and the other. Yeah. So how in those kind of situations, and like I think after this, we'll kind of uh, wrap it up, and I want to see if you're available so we can kind of go to the part two of this, uh, the other things that you're in. But it seems like we've gotten a kind of, you know, yeah, I know we went down the funny trails, various ones. Yes, I know. Yeah, yeah. So um, in those kind of scenarios with the, the houses and the people being haunted or exes and all those other things, like how do you go about healing? Um, the individual, the place, and all those different things. Well, I'll tell everybody, you know what? A lot of people, especially, I want to blame it again on the paranormal shows, they think that you're going to have somebody come in, or clergy, or a group, or somebody, they're going to go, wave the magic wand, poof, it's all gone. No. You know what? You, depending on your religious beliefs, or non-religious, whether it's just smudging, prayer, you have to keep doing this. Even after a group leaves. Either, or either you have clergy come in and do a blessing. You need to keep doing this. You need to keep cleansing your space, okay? Uh, you need to keep working at it because most people don't want, they want somebody to come in and do the dirty work or the heavy lifting and it's over, it's done with. No, you have to keep, like I said, if you, if you have certain religious beliefs, prayers and or smudging or blessing or salting your ground down, um, uh, even it's burning incense, you know, whatever. Whatever floats your boat. Uh, it doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be time-consuming. It just has to be something that I think you have to do on a regular basis to protect your space. Like I said, your, how, your home or where you live is your sanctuary. Your space, your personal space, especially when we're the ones that go out into the world. And you'd be surprised what could hop on you as an even just negative energies or vibes from people around you you might look at them and they might look put look put all together and happy you have no idea what's going on with this person or what they're involved in 
And this could piggyback on you or even people that come into your home to visit. Whether Even if it's people that you know them, you sometimes don't know what's going on with other people's lives. And they come to your home and whatever's going on, they leave some of it behind. And this is a way of cleansing your space. You yeah, have to so do that. You talk about like cleansing. Like what is the best way that people can cleanse themselves in their their home they can use sage or what do you have what have you found has been the best thing for for that i usually use like a sage stick okay like you know those little ones you know that they already sometimes come wrapped or you can get some and put out the seashell and usually what you do is you get to the entrance to your house and then you walk counterclockwise to the home and you basically smudge and you say i banish all negative energies and entities only light and love may exist here and you open up your cabin and your closet doors and you do all of that. And in between, you know, get some sticks of incense. They smell good. And maybe I, I burn incense, I want to say, like at least twice a week in my home between smudgings. Um, I, you know, I and I pay attention to and like this. I don't want to get people paranoid either. But you know what? If you start feeling like either really angry or depressed, and you're like, man, well, there's really no reason for me to feel like this. Why? Chances are that something you've brushed shoulders or something with somebody who this thing is, it's not your feelings, in other words. Mm -hmm. This is the time that you go and you get, you smudge yourself a little bit. I have a good friend of mine, she's a police officer. And I told her, you need to start doing that. And sure enough, that helped her a lot because, um, you know, you, when you come in contact, especially either because of what you do or where you go, let's not even talk if you go to a hospital, a funeral home, a cemetery. I mean, that's a given. You come home and you need to smudge down big time. All right. And again, it doesn't have to be elaborate, but you need to do that. And, or, or again, if you come home, and you feel a certain way, and you really can't account for why. Why would I, like? Why am I so mad? Chances are that what you're feeling is not really your feelings, and you need to dispel. And when you do this on a regular basis, okay, you you'd be surprised how much of the time things like that just a lot of these weird things just stop happening. They go elsewhere and. Uh, uh, there's such a thing also as salting down the entrance to your property. It depends on where you're at. I, I mean, there's a lot of different, you know, if you obviously if you live in an apartment building, you know, you're not going to salt around the, you know, the perimeter of the building, but uh, at least at the entrance, uh, just to keep a certain negativity away. Sometimes you even have neighbors that you just don't get along with, you know, and they obsess all the time. They you know that, that saying about the evil eye? Yeah. Okay, the evil eye, really what it means is when you get somebody that obsessively hates you. Just And by the way, sometimes it doesn't even have to be somebody well-known. There's just people that are like that. They just don't like you. And they just constantly fixate very negative thoughts towards you. That can be a problem. Negative thought forms can be a problem. Luckily, very few people know or have the time but you do get obsessive personalities that do do that that do do that 
Yeah. So for people who are experiencing any of these like super natural phenomena, where can they uh, get in touch with you to uh, seek your services? So this is just going to be one aspect. Of your best <laughs> bet is because I usually I just work with other groups, but I did write a book called Supernatural Safety, a DIY paranormal guide. And in there, I give you a lot of things that you can do. There's a couple of instances where I tell you, look, if it's really dark, then put the brakes on and get the help of either clergy or a group, even though there's things that you can do. But a lot of it in the book, it describes what you, you know. In other words, don't surrender. Don't give up your power. That's a big no-no. Once you start surrendering, like, I'm helpless. Uh, this thing is more powerful than me. Uh, uh, no, this is this is your house or your place to live. This is you know this is where we're supposed to be. The people with a human body, where we're supposed to be, they're the ones that are not. So when you cede dominion to an entity or whatever you think it is or negative thought form, don't do that. Don't do that. So the the book I would say is your best bet uh, as far as the majority of things that can happen. Uh, for example, a lot of people don't realize that there's that you need to bless the salt that you're going to use. And I include there like a, a ritual prayer that you use to cleanse the salt, cleanse the water, you know. Or luckily you can get holy water, but let's say you're going to use salt. A lot of people just get salt. You have to bless the salt from impurity before you can use it to lay it down as a barrier. And a lot of people, and I put that in the book, little things, you know, it covers, it's basic, but it, it helps the everyday person with either addressing and then preventing, prevention, which is what we talked about, which, what people should do on a regular basis. And where can people connect with you? Their best, their best bet is if they go to Amazon, you can look up all my books as look for Marlene Pardo Pelliser. I have an author's page. You go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com, you're also going to find information there. If you go to MarlenePardo.com, that's my personal page. I also have information there. Um, I have people write to me. Um, and a lot of times, like I said, uh, mostly what I do now, just because of lack of time, there's only so much I can do, is consult with groups uh, that call me and say, you know, and again, because I'm bilingual, I grew up in South Florida. Sometimes if there's a, an aspect of the haunting or of something that is Afro-Caribbean or Santeria or any of these type of uh, different offshoots that you saw come about in the Caribbean and South and Central America, I'll consult with them and help them out on that. Uh, or to understand better, you know, curses that are laid down on properties. I've, I've been on investigations where if something was done on that property and the family that was intended towards move away, whoever comes in, even though they were not maybe the object of it, just because now they live on that property, they're going to get affected by what was left there. And they have no idea, none whatsoever. Again, they have no point of reference as, did you do something? Did you buy something? What, what happened? And they're like, no, no, no. Okay, then what? Oh, no, as soon as you moved here. You know, and then that's when sometimes you have to do a little bit of investigating. But yeah, uh, 
there's a lot of things that that uh, or again and I talk about that you know you know um, if you live close to a cemetery you know a lot of people think oh yeah of course the cemetery is haunted or not haunted I tell people a lot of invocations or people getting rid of spell work dead animals or candles are thrown into cemeteries okay you go to a cemetery you could pick it up you live close to a cemetery it could bleed over into your property if somebody's conjuring at a three-way or four-way or a crossroads which are infamous for spell work some of them who do you know some dark some not you know I've had investigation where it's bled over into that property where those the those streets bisect a lot of the times it's done um, as a matter of fact you know people have heard where once upon a time they would erect gallows at four ways at crossroads or that they would bury suicides at crossroads the the intent was so that the spirit which they believed would be a ghost or an unquiet spirit would not be able to follow anybody home for example you know suicide not only were they not allowed to be buried inside consecrated ground in a cemetery they were purposely buried at crossroads for that reason because it was assumed that being a suicide they would be ghosts and this was or they would erect the, also the, the the gallows yeah well that is uh, so much you know what i mean it's almost like i i'm having my front row seat to like oh uh, you know what i mean a, a scary haunting horror movie you know i'm, I'm gonna <laughs> In my seats right now but you guys uh guys are listening and watching you know this is just part one and uh or part one with marlene and we're gonna do a part two because i want to get into all these other areas of expertise that uh, she has in regards to you know hypnosis um, being um a hypnotist and also kind of doing that past life regression yes. um i get into some some of the unresolved blocks and then body syndrome so we're gonna have to um allocate another time for that uh yes. part two so but now we're gonna just close off the session and um stay on for a couple minutes marlene i uh, want to figure out the, the next time for that so okay. for anyone who is watching right now i really kind of thank you guys for your time always treat others with love kindness and compassion and any last words you want to say marlene no it's uh it's an interesting world. I, it's a friendly universe. How's that? Despite all the dark stuff that we were talking about, it's a friendly universe. Yeah, I kind of visiting and whatever. Yeah, it's like, aren't, aren't you glad we're doing this in the middle of the day when it's daylight yeah, outside? I wouldn't. I don't think I would even be talking about. You know, I'm I, and I apologize for all the the strange animal noises, but I can't help it. I can't control the animals, and uh, yeah, I have a lot of free range chickens and exotic animals and you know they they kind of flip you off if you tell them to shut up <laughs> yeah so next time uh hopefully there won't be any uh, paranormal activity that, that interrupts our ability to yes no paranormal sabotage huh the conversation to other areas so that will be fantastic so thank you guys again so much for your time much love and peace out we'll see you too soon on part two okay bye-bye I'm Katie Grossman, the ultramarathon runner sponsored by New Balance. I'm also a creative professional, wife, and mom. Life has gotten crazy, especially after battling a tumor. 
but running still improves my life, both physically and mentally. Go beyond the run at newbalance.com. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks.